Hello everyone, it's Adam from Report 24 with my ninth episode of The Beers Is, my weekly look at the football industry from all its different angles and nooks and crannies. And I've got a great one for you today. I've, uh, well, I haven't had to go too far from Ukraine. I'm up in Lithuania. I'm with Maka. <laughs> Maka is quite well known across social media in particular for his, uh, for his, from his coaching background. And I'm looking forward to learning more about his journey today, how he got started and how he's come to now where he is as assistant coach at assistant manager. I'm sorry, Maka, assistant manager. <laughs> now you're going to have to correct me if I get this wrong, but Babrugas Palunga. Yeah, Barbrugas Plunger, yeah. Very yeah. Good. <laughs> How you doing anyway, mate? It's... Yeah, very good, mate. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Looking forward to this one. It looks nice and sunny over there anyway in Lithuania. Yeah, good weather yeah, up there. Been, do you know, it's been over the last week or so that I've been here, the last four or five days, it's been like just 30 degrees. So uh, not what I'm used to in the north of England. It's normally <laughs> raining and very cold, so it's something different. I'm actually burnt. I've got a bit of a farmer's tan, so I've got a tan from the T-shirt lying down, but... <laughs> Uh, I, I won't complain. It's something different, isn't it? Uh, it really is. I love it, love it, love it. Uh, it uh, obviously, yeah, you're in Lithuania now, but how did, it, how did you all get started? started? I mean, how, how did your football journey begin when you were younger? Um, not, that, not that many years ago, I should have. No, not that many years ago, no. Um, I started off, I always played as a youngster, as a kid, um, through grassroots. Um, up until 16 and at 16 um, I ended up going to college to do a sports diploma course and I spoke to uh, the lecturer there he was actually manager at the uh, probably the biggest non-league club in the area at the time so he kind of put me on a journey of doing a diploma but also playing some football through his reserve side and stuff so uh, from there I maybe had an idea of playing football at a good level so uh, played for two years at college and stuff, realised that I probably wasn't going to get very far in the game in terms of playing. Um, so I kind of just flitted about grassroots. Um, I had no real intention of playing at a good level. Uh, but at 16, while I was working uh, at college, I also done a bit of analysis for the, for the manager. There. I was always had an interest in the analysis side of, of the game. Uh, so I'd done a bit of playing at college, done a bit of analysis for the non-league side. And then kind of when I finished college, it became just playing. Um, and from about 18 to 20, just flitted around grassroots, played with a few clubs, ended up moving out to a different town, um, which was called Penrith, um, and ended up getting on to an academy side there uh, where I played for a season and, and was very successful with the club. It was a great season. And it kind of gave me the bug for wanting to get into coaching, you know, the success side of it. I felt when we were successful, we won the league and we won the cup in the third division just in the grassroots league. But the success kind of egged me on to want to coach. I could see how much it meant to the coach at the time. It was a guy called Mark Bell. Um, I'm still in contact with Mark. He's a, he's a great coach. He's a great guy. And I, I seen how much it meant to him to put a bit of work in with a group of youngsters, so to say, and win a league. And I thought, do you know what? I'm never going to make it far in football in terms of playing. Um, I'll, I'll try and get into the coaching side of it. It's something I've always been passionate about football. Um, I've always wanted to have a career in football. I'm obviously not good enough to do it from the playing side. So I spoke to Mark. Um, he was a manager at the time and asked him if he, if he would let me put a couple of sessions on, you know. I was always reading and looking at sessions online and stuff. I always had an interest in the, in the smaller details, even when I was playing. So I spoke to Mark, asked if I could put a few sessions on. He said, yeah, no problem. Um, so I ended up putting maybe three or four sessions on and, and I said, look, is it possible you could speak to the club and get me put on my level one FA course? No problem. I think maybe three or four weeks later, I was on my FA level one course um, and completed that. And from there, I got the real bug to 
to coach. I think I, I finished the season playing um, and I kind of just took the decision to, to put all my time into coaching. Um, I, I stopped playing. I, I maybe played one or two games after that if they were short, but I kind of put all my, my efforts into coaching. So I went from playing at the Penriths Academy side to coaching there on the 13 side. Obviously, the club were great with me and seeing that I was keen to, to go through my coaching badges. So I'd done my level one um, and then they put me on to the, to the under 13 side. Uh, I spent around six months there um, and then I met a guy called Danny Granger um, who was an ex-pro he played uh, I think seven or eight years at Carlisle United um, mm -hmm. and up in Scotland as well at Hart uh, he had his he has like a private academy um, in the area that was coaching Penrith um, I think the idea of the academy is just to bring the the better players out of the grassroots um, together and, and make it a bit more competitive. So got in touch with him and he asked me if, we, if I wanted to go there. So I spent a bit of time there, um, I think maybe a year and a half there. Um, and in my time there, he was um, he was appointed as the manager. He retired, he was appointed the manager of working in the FC, um, who were a non-league side, who I'd done the analysis with uh, when I was younger, mm -hmm. when I was 16. Um, he was the manager there um, and he actually invited me to, to join the first team coaching staff there. So I completed my level two, sorry, um, within the period of working at his private academy within the first six months there. Uh, so I'd already had my level two. So I spent a bit of time at his academy and obviously we got on great. And uh, he obviously offered me the opportunity to go to work in it, which at a really young age, um, I couldn't turn down. I, I was the youngest coach in, in the league there at the time. So if anything, it was going to be a fantastic opportunity for us and an experience. And, Look, you know, the time that I spent up working with Danny and the assistant manager there at the time, Stephen Rudd, um, was phenomenal. It probably, I already knew I wanted to work in football for the rest of my life, but that kind of spurred me on and, and gave me the real bug. You know, I could see what it was like to spend uh, time on the professional setup uh, with professional coaches. Danny and Stephen both have the A licence. Um, Danny had obviously played the game at really high level, so there was a lot of learning experience in there. So, yeah, I ended up spending um, the 1920 season at work in the NFC, which was a fantastic experience. We, we finished top of the league. I think we were 10 points clear. Um, and I think there was eight games to go. But unfortunately, the league got suspended due to COVID. Uh, so they kind of cancelled the league, which was very disappointing, you know, to be 10 points clear with eight games to go. Um, and, and the work that the coaching staff and, and the players have put in over the course of maybe seven months was, was really tough. But... Look, it, it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, I spent. I had a great experience there. So I went from um, the under-13s at Grassroots to Danny's Private Academy into Workington. Um, and then I kind of wanted to forge my own path. You know, Danny was Danny's a phenomenal coach. He's probably, to this day, the best coach that I've spent time with on the training ground. Um, mm -hmm. He's a great guy. For somebody to spend... Well, the one thing I'll say about him is to spend 10 years playing football as a pro and then give somebody who... For me, I was a nobody... Uh, to give an absolute nobody the chance that he gave me, I'll be forever grateful for that. And it kind of put me on the ladder to where I'm at now. So, yeah, it was a great experience there. But I kind of, at the, at the end of that, I wanted to forge my own path, you know. And, and, and you know, there was maybe wasn't the opportunity to stay with working and beyond the, the year I got anyway. So, um, I ended up kind of forging my own path. I went to do a bit of coaching at a few grassroots sides in the local area. Um, I kind of made a lot of contacts in the area. Obviously, we've been at working and it was quite a big club there. So, Done a few sessions with a diff few different clubs in the area. Uh, ended up settling for a club called Carlton Banks, um, who a lot of my friends played at. So it was kind of I was going to stay there until I found something um, higher up the ladder. My time at Carlton was phenomenal there. It was it was a different experience coaching with uh, with my friends because 
the difficulties are you have to leave people out or in training, uh, you have to go from friend to manager. Um, so look, the time that I spent there, it, albeit it was a short time, I think it was three months and it was over a COVID period. So it was mainly just training sessions. Mm. The time there was really good. Um, give me a few new learning experiences and the lads were obviously great. I got on with most of the lads. And then I ended up joining um, a club in the first division of the amateur league, uh, wherever I was at. I moved to a village called Kirk Oswald and, and they have a village team, but they're playing the first division there. So ended up taking over there as manager. Uh, they restarted the season um, as a Champions League style format and just two cup competitions because obviously the league had been cancelled you know, previously due to COVID. Um, and we, I ended up getting to the uh, first cup final uh, that it was possible to get to. But unfortunately, the cup final had been uh, delayed. Uh, a, a guy that I played in the academy side with at Penrith uh, died in a car crash. Uh, a really young lad, Jack Taylor. Um, oh. Yeah, a really sad incident. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of fitting that um, I got to a cup final, but I'd also got to a cup final against the Penrith side. So it was, in a way, it was a bit fit. Uh, it was a bit fitting, you mm. know, it was my first time in a cup final as a senior manager and I was playing against the side that Jack had played for. So Look, if fate is anything, it's kind of it brought the two teams together. Uh, but unfortunately, the, the final was due to be played on the day that it was Jack's funeral. So obviously me and me and Penrith and, and Mark Bell, who was who put me on this journey to start with, he was a manager of the opposition team I was playing in the final. Um, we agreed to kind of cancel the final um, and do it at a later date. Now, the later date obviously came at a point where I decided to travel abroad. So unfortunately, that it still hasn't been played. I think it's on the 5th of August. Um, and obviously I've travelled abroad now, so here I am abroad. Obviously it was a great experience at Keogh, got to the cup final um, and the lads there were fantastic. It was The standard there was probably the best outside of outside of working and that I've been at. So yeah, I decided to travel abroad and take an opportunity and take the jump uh, to come here. Um, and, and here I am now. So that's kind of the journey from playing to stopping playing to the under-13s, into a private academy, into experience at a non-league side. Uh, two amateur sides and then now I'm here abroad so yeah that's kind of the journey of a of a about a five-year span ah brilliant that's absolutely fantastic now I, you you whilst you're talking there i like it's kind of a, a resonating theme of these podcasts sort of came through there where you were talking about the fact you were actually proactive and asked questions i was it with mark you you, you, yeah. your, your lecturer first of all who got you into uh, the academy and it's that whole kind of networking process of talking to people if you don't talk to people you never get do you agree do you agree with that do you think oh, it's one of the key sort of skill sets that people need in this game absolutely absolutely I think when I very first wanted to get into coaching uh, the, the guy the academy manager the Penrith academy manager at the time uh, Mark Bell um, it would have been very easy for him to say no to me to me having the opportunity. Or, in fact, it would have been easy for me not to ask him for the opportunity because I know that sometimes in football, um, not all people, but some people can have closed doors and stuff. And um, I think the networking side of it, of speaking to people and asking and being proactive and looking to get opportunities, I think that is probably the single biggest factor in uh, how you can develop as a coach. I think I put something on Twitter last week. I had somebody sent me a question about... Um, What's the best way to get into coaching? And for me, it's a simple answer. Meet as many people as you can. Speak to as many people as you can. Network with as many people as you can. Go and visit as many sessions as you can. 
be an absolute sponge, just absorb all the information that you get from these sessions um, and then start developing your own ideas. But once you've developed your own ideas, then start asking for feedback off the people that um, you've already met and you've already seen. It's a continuous process for me. I think you've always got to be networking. You've always got to be proactive and, and looking to engage with other people. I think if you close yourself off and you have the blinkers on, I think it can be very difficult because I think by speaking to people and, and creating new channels, um, there's always doors to be opened. Really are. And alongside that, obviously, you've done your courses. How do the courses uh, sort of progress in the coaching side of the game? You mentioned the level one earlier. Yeah. So it goes from level one, um, level two, and then it goes, which is kind of uh, UK-based or, or England-based, England-FA-based. I think it's different in different parts of the world. Mm. But it's level one and level two in England, but then it becomes uh, kind of universal. So there's the, the UEFA B, UEFA A and the UEFA Pro. Now, the UEFA B and UEFA A, you can apply to be on, and the UEFA Pro in England, I know, is invite only. So I know the likes of Steve and Gerard done it uh, last year. I think it's, mm. it's for the coaches at the highest level. Um, but I've done my level one, level two. Um, I was accepted onto UEFA, to a UEFA B course, um, which was due to start, but I've came here now. And, you know, thankfully the club here putting me through my UEFA B, which starts in around four or five weeks' time. Um, so I'll be doing my UEFA B now. I won't be doing it with the English FA. I'll be doing it with uh, the Lithu uh, Lithuanian FA. So, yeah, once I've got my B licence wrapped up, it'll be kind of looking forward to, to getting on the A licence, which fortunately the club here have said that they'll put me through as well, which is brilliant. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. I, do you know, uh, uh, I, I remember hearing sometime that without certain licences, you can't, can't coach at a certain level. Is that Am I right there? How does, how does it go? Um, yeah, so I th in England, it kind of, but based on my experience in England, a lot of the academies, uh, so the professional academies, the football league academies, and maybe even the, the national league ones, they all want a B licence. Kind mm -hmm. of, I think level one and level two is looked at as maybe grassroots. Um, and then B licences, A licences are looked at as academy, A licence maybe first team. And then the pro licence is obviously international. So uh, your European football, your Champions League, um, your European tournaments, your World Cup. Um, so there is... There is a difference between how the licences are looked at and respective. Having said that, I know that it is possible to probably get jobs. You could get, um, for example, you could get a first-team job with the UEFA B. I know that um, a coach who was at Brusher and Gladbach last season, he came from Austria. Um, he actually only had his UEFA B, but he'd been very successful in Austria, so they'd taken him there on his UEFA B and put him through his UEFA A. So it is possible to do. A bit like myself, I've obviously come here with the level two, which is the UEFA C out here. Um, and the club are going to put me through my UEFA B immediately. So it is possible to get them opportunities, but I think the difficulty is that clubs advertise for jobs in England, specifically wanting licences, uh, and the kind of is a criteria of academy teams want B, first teams want A, um, the top teams obviously want pro. So, yeah, these kind of um, different criteria for different licences. Ah, cool. I will come on to Lithuania a little bit later, but I want to ask you about uh, you know, the coach coach's plan. And, you know, you've had huge success of that, you know, on, yeah. on, the, on the social medias. How did, how, you know, what sort of inspired you to get that going? Um, to share my ideas, um, to make contact. Do you know, when I first made it, um, I've been having um, a bit of a difficult time, um, personally. Uh, it's put, this is um, something that my friends and close family know. It's something I'll share because I think it's, it's probably something important that lessons can be taken out of other people and how, and how football can be probably saviour to some people. At the time, I was struggling uh, massively. I've been um, doing some counselling and stuff 
Um, and I'd obviously, um, I've been dealing with depression and I've been through a phase of where I got really close to the end. Um, and it got to the point where I probably was looking at um, life and thinking, look, this isn't, this isn't what I want anymore. And it had really got to the point where I thought, look, something's got to change. Um, so I took the decision to, I'd obviously been coaching fire, but I took the decision to create something that would keep me occupied and keep me busy. Um, and, and originally the coach's plan, which was then known as the coaching zone, this was the idea. So I set up the coaching zone and I thought, you know what, I'll share my ideas on here. Um, I'll connect with other people. And if worse comes to worst, I've got documentation of what I've done over the years. Um, and the best part of it was for me was that I was waking up every morning with a purpose. You know, I was waking up thinking, look, I've got to put this session plan onto the Twitter page today. Um, I've maybe got to speak to two or three people um, and, and just to keep myself busy. Um, so the idea came around of, look, I want to keep myself busy, but I also want to connect with coaches. So looking in a, in a mad, strange way, it was the depression and the real struggles that I'd gone through at the time um, inspired me to, to want to be busy and proactive and, and share content and, and speak with other people. So yeah, that's kind of how it came about. It was, I look back now and I think, <laughs> I don't, I'm not happy that I felt like that. I'm not happy I got to that point in my life. But if I hadn't, I maybe wouldn't have created the page and I maybe wouldn't have created a network of where I can share content and share with people. So it was maybe a bit of a blessing. Oh, I say, over, is it over 30,000 people now following you yeah. on Twitter? <laughs> who's yeah, who's, who's sort of the most random one where you thought, Wow, this guy's this guy's looking, or oh, this lady's looking at my reports and my plans. Um, do you know what? <laughs> when I first, I'm not so surprised now because obviously I've I've had it for two years and there's a lot of holes in there. But when I first made it, the page, sorry, when I first made the page, there was um, every single time someone famous followed me or footballer followed me, I'd be like, oh wow, I used to run in and tell me my girlfriend. I was like, look, this is this is going to be successful one day. I'm going to keep building. I'm going to keep building. And I, and I always got a bit over the moon. Um, and one of the, probably the most random one was uh, the Boca Juniors reserve manager followed me um, <laughs> called Flavio or something. Um, and he follows me. And what happens on Twitter, or it used to happen, when somebody verified or someone with a big followers followed you, it would pop up on your notifications and it had popped up. And so I clicked on this guy and he had half a million followers. And I was just like, oh, wow, this is crazy. You know, the, the Boca Juniors reserve manager followed me and looking at my sessions and stuff. Oh, wow. Um, and then another one, there's an Egyptian guy called, uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, it's Will Gama or Will Goma. He now works for TV in, um, in Egypt. And I clicked on his page and he had 3.2 million followers and he only followed about 50. And I was like, oh my God, it's crazy to think that he's following my stuff. So yeah, it, it, it was quite overwhelming at the start. <laughs> yeah. If I'm honest, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll make no uh, secret of the fact that I was like a big kid. I was like, oh my, I can't believe these people are following me and stuff. And <laughs> But yeah, it, it's not so much, you know, I'm not, I'm, I haven't got as much interest in who follows me now. It's kind of, at the start, it was if the big people follow me, it was good. But now I find that a lot of the networking and a lot of the communication is actually with people who are starting out or people who are on the same journey as me. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that's what I wanted to sort of pull out there as, you know, so through that and through the connections on Twitter, I mean, we, we hear always about how social media's, you know, a dangerous place, but have you found a lot of positivity there? And, you know, have you been able to build a good network and find opportunities or help provide opportunities for people through? through yeah, it? If, do you know, if I'm absolutely honest, without the social media side, I would have probably been still in the little village that I lived in. Um, the original one of meeting Danny Granger, who was the 
owner of the private academy and, and was the manager at Workington. Um, I actually met him through social media. He followed my page, which was the coaching zone at the time, the coaches plan. He followed my page um, and he got one of his coaches to get in touch with me um, and see that if he wanted to go coach. They said he obviously liked my stuff. So, yeah, it was the, the original big step that I took in coaching came through that. Um, being here in Lithuania, and I was came through meeting somebody through there. Um, I obviously had my own podcast where I met a lot of people and, uh, and got some... Uh, some decent names on the podcast. So yeah, the, the networking side and the contact side has been phenomenal. And you know, it's been above and beyond anything I could ever imagine. Um, I know that there's a lot of negativity around social media um, and, and rightly so. I think there's some stuff on there that um, is very difficult for people to deal with. There's things that's said on there daily that don't need to be said. But from my perspective, there's been nothing but positivity from, from the coaches plan page that I've set up and and I found real connections with people. So it's been fantastic for me. And I think that I would encourage anybody else to kind of keep that positivity on social media. You know, if, if you've got nothing nice to say, then don't say it. Um, it is the basis of it for me. Yeah. Oh, well said there, you know. If you've got good things, put it out there. Yeah. If you haven't, keep it stum. Yeah, say. definitely. I agree, yeah. Now, Mark, I mean, Lithuania, that's, that is a, it's, it's a bit random. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, can t- I, can, I, can, I can talk being in Ukraine. I, you yeah. know, we can go random, random. I'm as random as it comes. But <laughs> I mean, how, how did you end up there? Um, I met a guy called, I didn't meet a guy, I met a guy through social media called Anthony McMullen. Um, he was coaching in Latvia. Uh, he lived in Latvia as well. Um, I think he coached at Mar- a club called Marupe there and several other sides, maybe re- some club in Riga. And I'd met a connection through him. <clears throat> I actually met him on social media about 18 months back and, and we spoke quite regularly. Um, and his Marupe side played a friendly <clears throat> against Babrungas Plunge uh, mm-hmm. maybe last year. So I think he kind of got on with the technical director here. Um, he made a good, net, uh, good contact with him. And I'd been putting out on social media for the last 12 months that I was looking for opportunities abroad and I was applying for opportunities abroad. <clears throat> Sorry. And... Um, yeah, so I was looking for opportunities abroad and stuff. And Anthony had obviously seen it and said that he was aware that the club out in Lithuania were looking for somebody. So he asked me to send a CV over um, and see if he could put me in touch. And he sent that over to him about three months ago um, and nothing came of it. And then around two weeks ago, I ended up getting an email off the club saying, look, we're looking for an assistant manager. Um, would you be interested? So it was kind of, yeah, I'm interested. Let, you know, let's book the flights and let's, let's just go. Let's just take the... Let's just take the plunge, and it sounds cliche, but I'm in plunge, and let's take the plunge. So, yeah, I just I just decided to take the plunge, and here I am. And how how have they welcomed you in? Has it has it been a you know baptism of fire, or have they took good care of you? Yeah, do you know, I think the difficult part of it is the language barrier. There's only the technical director here who, who speaks good English. Um, some of the players speak okay English. Uh, the manager I'm going to be working with is English is very limited, so. I wouldn't say it's been a baptism of fire. It's probably been a baptism of fire in the, in the respect that there's difficulties and there's obstacles. But look, mm. if I'm absolutely honest, I wanted to come somewhere where it was really, really difficult for us and I would struggle and, and I would be massively out of my comfort zone. Um, I'm, I'm a, my personality, I'm a very loud person. I'm a very, I'm comfortable within who I am. Um, I never really feel like I'm out of my comfort zone. So I wanted to come somewhere and be in a situation where I found really out of my comfort zone. And you know, Coming here, I have felt, even in the first five or six days, I felt times out of my comfort zone. Um, so the baptism of fire has probably been from the obstacles. Um, the club, from a club respect, you know, the club have been great. We had meetings 
for the first few days with the director, uh, the manager, the chairman, um, and kind of discuss where we where the ideas of where we wanted the club to go and things like that. And you know, me and the club were on the same page from the start, so it was kind of a match made in heaven. Um, and look, the club have been great for me in terms of. Uh, getting everything done and getting everything over the line and getting the contract sorted and stuff. So it's been great. They're obviously they're looking for me somewhere to stay a bit, a bit more permanently now as well in the area. So look, the club have been great from that perspective. Ah, uh, that's good because you know, I, th- I think a lot of people it's that fear of what they're going to face when they get there that stops yeah. them from jumping over it. <laughs> you got any yeah. advice for people who 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 think that way? What would you say to yeah. them? Yeah, don't try and order a taxi in a country where you can't speak the language. <laughs> That's my best bit of advice. <laughs> oh, it was difficult the first few times, and now I just call them, and the most it's the same operator, and I just say the address. I just literally the answer phone, just say the address, and I just say okay, and, and that's it. They send the taxi. First few times they were they were speaking, I'll say no, no, I only speak English, and they'll just say no, no, down the phone. So I was like, oh, this is mad. But, yeah. Ah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, I think we've all all had horror stories like that. Yeah. Get, getting on the wrong the wrong bus was normally my <laughs> one, and ending up in the wrong side of wrong side of the yeah. city and and things like that. But it's it's part of the fun. I find. Yeah, it's a learning that. experience, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Now, I mean, obviously, you you're early into your time in Liverpool. You know, what's what 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 are the plans? For you personally, you know, in the in the medium term, um, in the medium term, look, just to be to be successful, mm-hmm. um, and, and by success, I mean success in terms of personal development, um, success in terms of experience a different culture and um, a different language, uh, but also success in terms of football. I think when I very first spoke to the club, when I come here, one thing I said was that I'm looking to join a club that want to progress and want to be successful. You know, I'm young. I'm a young coach, but I'm a massively ambitious coach. Um, I envision working at the highest level of the game. Um, I want to work at the highest level of the game. Uh, I'll make sure I work hard enough to work at the highest level of the game. So I want to be within an environment where I'm working at a club that I want the same. And look, the, the club absolutely want the same. So I think medium term will be to be successful in terms of personal development, but also be successful with the club. Uh, we're in a mid-season break here at the moment. Um, the league resumes on the 30th um, and the club are sat mid-table at the moment, which, to be honest, is probably a great position for the club. They actually got promoted from the third division to the second division last season. Um, it wasn't through promotion, it was through uh, like a commercial promotion. So I think it was an application to be in the second league. That's how it works out here, because uh, the third league's just amateur mm-hmm. um, and the, the only the top two leagues in the professional league. So... Um, Look, to be, to be sat sixth in the league um, in the first season here is fantastic for the club. And look, I just want to help the club maintain and build on that over the, over the second half of the season. Um, beyond that, probably looking into the next season, um, I think there's an opportunity for the club to really kick on and, and you know, look to be part of the top two sides in the league and, um, and potentially progressing in the A-Liga. <laughs> you know, there may be people in the club who say that may be a bit premature, but for me, I'm, I always envision being as successful as we can and, and you know, being the best that we possibly can. And, and if and if the coaches and, and the top of the club can't dream of being in the top two, then it gives the players no hope. So for me, it'll always be a case of envisioning that we can be there, uh, working as hard as we can to be there. And then if we don't end up there, we can always say we put 100% in every single aspect um, and, and it gives us a platform to build and build and build beyond that. Ah, brilliant, brilliant. Wish you the best to look with that. I mean, how, how does the system work in Lithuania? You said there was it two professional 
tiers. Yeah, yeah. So at, at the moment, there's been a change this season. So the top two teams um, in our league, which is the uh, one league, um, goes up to the A league. Uh, but they're actually expanding our league next season to 16 teams. Um, and I think. I'm not 100% sure on this, these discussions about four of the 16 teams being promoted from the second to the first um, to kind of give a bit a bigger progression. You know, I think the problem here was that the teams who were below the top league, it was so difficult for them to work their way up that there was never really an investment in players and an investment in uh, the culture, the environment, you know, the facilities. But I think the, the FAA is starting to give clubs real opportunities to progress through the league. So... Uh, yeah, that's kind of how it's going to work. I think maybe there's discussions of four teams next season. So if there's four teams next season, then I'll be hundred percent looking at the top two. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. As I say, wish you the best to look for it. Yeah, great. thank I'm, you very much. I am. I mean, it. Uh, I, I love the fact there are more British coaches moving overseas. I think it's a wonderful thing, and it also in the long term, it's going to help the development of the game back home when we bring these ideas. Yeah. That, you pick up on, on the on the overseas on the overseas market. I mean, one one final sort of question for me before we go today, Marco. Um, I hear a lot of talk from people saying you know football's quite a closed game. It's difficult to sort of get into. Would uh, you know bit of a it's who you know, not 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 what you know, and things like that. Uh, how easy, in your opinion, do you think it is? Uh, for people to get involved in the game from the coaching perspective in particular, if they really want to? Um, at the grassroots level, so at the very bottom for the coach starting out, I think, I honestly believe it's a case of going around every club in your area and saying, can I put a session on? And I can guarantee that maybe one or two clubs will be grateful for you to do it. Um, I think a lot of coaches <coughs> at the grassroots level are parents of children that play at the club. So there is always coaches in every area looking for real keen coaches who want to make a career out of it. Um, so I think from that perspective, easy. I think as you go up, there's there's two sides to it for me. I think you get a lot of people who are closed doors and are scared to share information with you, probably in, in fear that you're, you're past them on the ladder. But what I would also say is that, and which isn't seen or spoken about enough, there is so many people at the top level of the game who you can reach out to and speak to who will be happy to, happy to open the door for you. And look, I found that by coming here, you know, I met um, Anthony online and he, he opened the door for me with the club here. Um, when I initially got into coaching, the manager of the team I was playing at let me put the sessions on and opened the door for me. You know, if I'm honest, I've had nothing but open doors for me through, through my own hard work and I've put the hard work in to get here. But I think there's an appreciation from people at the top, you know, if you're working hard and, and it, there's a real commitment to wanting to go from here to here to here, the door's naturally open for you. And, and I know that it can be seen as from a lot of people that, um, yeah, it's only, it's only ex-pros who can get jobs within the game. It's only people who know people. You know, in, in certain clubs and in certain areas, that may be the case. But what I would also say is that if you're working as hard as you can, you will always get an opportunity. You will always be seen. And I think my social media side of that is actually, um, is actually a big message on that. If you work hard and, you keep working hard, eventually it'll grow. That's the same as a coach. But I also think from the social media side, you know, don't be scared to put things out there. You know, if you've got a session plan, put it on Twitter. You know, it only takes for one person to see it and, and to say, to give you a bit of feedback or to say, oh, look, that's great. You know, do you want to share some more ideas with us? Do you want to come and put a session on at my team? And, and before you know it, you know, you've went from grassroots to 
maybe a first division side in the amateur game um, into the semi-professional game, you know, doors can continuously open. So for me, if I could give a bit of advice to any coach starting out in the game, it would be be brave, you know, speak to people and share as many ideas as you can. Because um, really do. doors, will, doors will open for you. And like you said, there can be that fear of it being a closed book and it being really difficult. And look, I understand that because I, I, I applied for a lot of jobs over the years and there were so many times I thought, uh, you know, it's tough, it's disheartening, but keep at it, you know, keep plugging away, keep sharing them ideas, keep, you know, no whatever level you're working at, whether you're working at grassroots, whether you're working at professional, make sure that the time you spend planning the session, delivering the session, reviewing the session, make sure it's the same. Because one thing that I, I told myself and what I've done and I still continuously do is that no matter where, if I was coaching at grassroots or whatever, I'm coaching wherever I am now, I always treated it as a professional environment. I always treated it as if, you know, Brian Clough was stood on the sideline watching or, you know, and, and I might get that one opportunity if I put this bit of hard work in. So, yeah, the advice for me for that would be work hard, uh, keep making connections, but treat every single session as if you're coaching at Manchester United, you know, treat it as if you've already at the top because if you treat your sessions and, and your work and your dedication as being at this level, even when you're at this level, there'll be natural progression up to this level. Definitely so. Well said there. Well said. Well, I mean, th thanks for that today. It's been great insight. And as I said, wish, wish you the best of luck on the Lithuanian adventure. It's given me Thank a team. Much, I mean, even, <laughs> even if it's just me, I've got a, t I've got a team now following Lith in the yeah, Lithuanian second team, yeah. <laughs> We'll be keeping an eye out. So hopefully yeah, you'll good. come back uh, after the season, let us know how, how it's gone on. Uh, yeah, definitely. Look, I'll be, I'll be more than happy to, to come back on again. Um, and and anyone listening, working and moving the game, make sure that, you know, reach out to this to the podcast. And, you know, it's been great yeah. to come on. It's been great to share my story. So I'm sure it'll be great yeah. for other people as well. Definitely. So thanks. Thanks for the kind words. Now, for people who obviously want to follow follow the club or get in touch with you on the social medias, where's, where's the best place for them to find you? Um, on Twitter, it's at Maca Coaching. Um, and then through the Maca Coaching page in my bio, you'll see the links to the coaches' pages, uh, the coaches' plan and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, or you can follow it at the coaches' plan. Um, the club is FK Babunga Stunge. If you want to follow the club, uh, they actually don't have Twitter. They, they use Facebook out here. Uh, Twitter's kind of not heard of out here, which is mad. Uh, but you can follow them through Facebook. Um, all the games are streamed um, by the Lithuanian FA through through Facebook and YouTube. So anyone wanting to watch a game, then, and then feel free to hop on. Um, the games can be found on all of the, the football apps, flash scores, live scores. Uh, so anyone that watch game, they can do so and they can follow the club through the Facebook or through YouTube. Oh, brilliant. That'll be, that's, that's, that's a watch. Season starts in, restarts in 10. Restarts on, yeah, the 30th, yeah. Nine days to go. Oh, it's the, yeah. the clock is ticking. Is. Well, <laughs> well, that's it for today, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Of course, I'm Adam at Ucrafot24. You can follow me across all the social medias as well. But till next time, take care, stay safe and goodbye for now.